put the passage on the screen, please? Philippians. Verse 18b, I love it. There you go, halfway through verse 18. I'm going to read it first. Uh, yes, and I will continue to rejoice for, I go, that screen has got the wrong format, and so I only get half the lines. I'll read it from the book. Here we go. Let's try again. <clears throat> yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage. So now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, and whether by life or death, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That's verse 21. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what I shall choose, I don't know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ will overflow on account of me. Amen. Father, open your word to our hearts, our hearts to your word. Holy Spirit, take words of life and truth. And speak them into us now. In Jesus' name. Amen. I picked up verse 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Say it. For to me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Again. For to me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Now the core of this is that passage. That bit. Okay. And in a way I've got to do the boring first bit and the boring second bit. Do you understand me? One of those sermons where there's such an amazing thing in the middle of it that actually you don't want me to do the first bit, but I better do a bit about it first and be, do it properly. The core of this is, is, it's like when people say to me, do you want a chocolate ice cream or a caramel salted ice cream? I don't care. Yeah? I don't care. I want an ice cream. Yeah? It's like when people say, uh, do, you want, do you want a red wine or a white wine? I don't care, give me wine. It's fine. <laughs> that actually, by the way, is a statement I can make now if anyone's got any wine with it. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those things I just don't mind. Do you understand me? Now, if people say to me, do you want ice cream or a bit of lettuce? <laughs> <laughs> That's different. The, the lettuce clearly is more healthy. <laughs> But, but who chooses lettuce over ice cream? Put your hands up if you choose lettuce over ice cream, and I'll pray for your deliverance for you. Anyone? <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, it, it, do, do you get what Paul's saying here? The core of this is Paul says, I don't, they're the same. For to me, to live is, to die is, see, it's okay. It's pretty much the same whether I live or die. Now, I am not there. Let's be clear, I am not there. Paul is saying this, and it's, a, it's just a fantastic thing. I want to be there, but I'm not quite there. I've ever confidence in Jesus that death won't be a problem, that the relationship with Jesus will go on through death. Amen? But I'm not where Paul is. I'm not there on the first bit either, to be honest. I'm not there quite 
on the fact that to live is just Christ. I know it theoretically, but I haven't got to the place where it's so true I can just say it. My life is here where Christ comes out in a second. That's the core of this passage. The whole thing about this is, is it, don't, don't, don't think he's sort of saying, because he used the word gain, you can sort of think he's saying it's better. Well, he does say it's better, because he's lost all the fight. And all the bad things happen in life, like lettuce. There's no lettuce in heaven. Did you know that? <laughs> just want to say that Jesus never, ever feeds salad to his disciples. Have you noticed that? <laughs> it's roast lamb and wine, or barbecues, okay? Just, just, just... Um, I'll get back, the, get back to the passage quiz, quick, before you start doing the theology. So, it starts off, verse 18, B, yes, I'll rejoice. We said last week that Paul's in a pretty tough place. Um, I think, actually, I did it at 8.30, and Laurie did pretty much the same at 10.30. He's in a tough place. The present is tough. He's in prison. He's restricted. He's facing trial. We think it's possibly Rome. It could be Caesarea. We don't quite know where he was, but he's in prison. The present is tough. His future's uncertain, because at some point, presumably, there'll be a trial or whatever going on. And, and, and you know, Roman justice was, was straightforward in a way, but could be a bit arbitrary, depending on the, who, who, who hears the case. Particularly if he's in Rome with emperors and stuff. Present hard, future uncertain. And what's worse, he, he knows that some of the people who are Christians, and they're preaching the gospel, they're not, like, Heretics, they're good people bringing the gospel, but they're doing it to upset him. <laughs> His friends are being a pain in the butt. And, and he is in a tough place. Not saying much more about that. We talked about that last week. But he starts off this passage and the la- end of the last bit with, I will rejoice. Because he doesn't value that much his bad situation. What he sees is what God's doing for the kingdom. Even though people are preaching the gospel out of malice, they are still preaching the gospel. Amen. And this bad situation has, in fact, released some of the disciples, wherever he is, to preach more confidently because he's in prison and they can't do it. The kingdom advancing. There's something here about Paul's view that the kingdom is what matters. The gospel of Jesus is what matters. He's an apostle. He's very important. La, la, la. We're loved by God. But actually, the core thing is the kingdom of God. Lord's Prayer says, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's the core thing that matters. That's what we give our life to. We want to see the kingdom of God advance. And because Paul gets that, he can rejoice because he sees what God's doing. In tough situations, if you can see with your eyes what God's, spiritual eyes, what God's doing, it's possible to rejoice, even though it's pretty tough. However, he does want deliverance. Uh, sort of about verse 19-ish, he says, For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. He wants out. Out of prison, out of the hassle. Presumably also wants the people who are his friends trying to hurt him to stop hurting him. And he says the two things there, it's your prayers and of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to say a little sort of side cameo here about prayer, okay? Um, uh, how, you dis- how do you decide what to pray? You're whispering it. Ask God, yes. You sound like Gollum. Precious. 
What did I get to? Oh, yeah. You ask God, not, not Gollum. Don't ask Gollum. Okay, you ask God. Yeah? The Holy Spirit tells us what to pray. So if we're with it, it's Romans 8, isn't it? Where Paul says the Holy Spirit intercedes with us for words too deep, groans too deep. He knows what we want. And yet when we pray, we're praying for the Holy Spirit to be active, aren't we? How does stuff change? Because the Holy Spirit's active. There's this weird, like, little loop thing where, where Holy Spirit inspires, if we're open to God, what Holy Spirit inspires what to pray, and then we pray alongside what he wants, and, he go- and then it happens. Right? It's like a little closed loop thing. Got positive feedback, to use a technical term. Any engineers in the audience will like that. Right? It's that thing where, where, where prayer is so powerful. Now, there's something I think, but I'm not going to preach on it now, about God's love and his love for us, and one thing is to be independent and choose to love him, that he allowed us to have some, I don't know, almost ability so that stuff doesn't happen until we pray. We're involved in this process. That loop, Holy Spirit inspiring us what to pray, and us praying it and then Holy Spirit doing it, we can break that by not praying. Do you get I don't quite understand it theoretically. But God's sovereignty somehow is limited by the fact that he waits for his people to pray, to do that stuff, to release what we have to, we have to claim it. We don't do the stuff really. We haven't got the authority to do it. Oh, we have got the authority to do it. We have got the power to do it. It's together. Do you get it? It's together. Hear what the Holy Spirit says and pray it out. But if you hear what the Holy Spirit says and you don't pray it out, or you don't bother listening to the Holy Spirit and just pray what you want, Prayer is really powerful. It releases the power. And Paul knows that. Paul knows that it's not just Holy Spirit through your prayers and the help given by the Holy Spirit. Right? You get? That's the cameo side bit. Back in the text. I eagerly expect and hope I will never be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. Again, very honest. I think he's saying there, look, this might end up in death. The court might decide that I'm guilty and I might end up not, not going back to you. That's what he wants. What he wants is deliverance. What he wants actually is to get back to the Philippians and do his job. But, but it might end up in that. But he honestly prays that I will have sufficient courage. Do you get that? I've never been in a situation where I've been like in prison for Christ and on death row. I've never been in a situation where my martyrdom was likely. I've been in situations where I've been driving badly and thought I was going to die. <laughs> Not looking at anyone in particular. I've been in situations where I've, been, I've, I've tackled a climb and halfway up the climb and thought, oh no, I'm going to die. <laughs> this next move I just can't do. Who's done that ever? Oh no, that's me, I'm silly. I've been in situations like when I thought, oh, Lord, this is it. But they've been quite quick situations. Do you get me? It's like momently things. I remember a time, actually, I wasn't very old, actually. I was about 23, 24. And I remember a time when it sort of felt like I'd done what I had to do and God was calling me home. A really weird feeling, but it lasted about two weeks. And I kept thinking, okay, Lord, come on. <laughs> wasn't scary at all, actually, then. But it didn't happen, as you can tell. Um, but, but 
I've never been, but I think Paul honestly says, look, I, I, I want, I, I, what does he say? What does he say? I eagerly expect and hope I will not be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage. Because you don't know, do you? You don't know. We don't know how we'd respond if things go really bad and we get put in prison for being Christians and preaching the gospel. I don't know. Would I still choose to stand here and preach about Jesus if the result was secularly they put me in prison? I eagerly expect, have confidence that. Do you get, do you get that? And when I come to face up to actual death, I love that quote by someone said, I don't mind dying. I don't want to be there when it happens. You know, I eagerly expect that God will give me the strength to do it. Or whatever else comes up. Because God is faithful. God loves you, yeah? And whatever God calls you to, however tough and scary it might be, I have eagerly expect and have confidence that I will not be ashamed. Because God will be there. Because God won't call me to stuff and not be there. I, won't ask my, I wouldn't ask my kids to do stuff with their kids without being willing to be there. And God's the same. So Paul has that expectation that God will be there. And he then says, oh, here we go. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We got there. For me, for to me, not just me, for to me. Out loud, for to me. To live is and to die It doesn't actually matter to me because I live the life of Christ. Now, there's stuff about what that means. Galatians passage, quick. Paul says in Galatians, I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'll, come, I'll do the Romans one as well, actually. I'll do them both together. How about you for time? Yeah, not bad. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, and even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. You can pause there. You see, fundamentally the truth is that, that we're alive because Christ gave us life. We died to sin. We became Christians. We started to follow Jesus. We became disciples of Jesus. And in doing that, in a real sense, we gave up the physical life that we had, and we now live by that faith in Christ. It's a spiritual life. But Paul in the Philippians passage is saying so almost more than that. He's saying, it's, it's not just that I'm alive spiritually. Oh, man, every Christian is. Yeah. He's saying, actually, to live is Christ. My whole life is Jesus. My whole life. But what I do, I mean, my body is going to be transformed when I get after death and stuff. But, but actually, I'm alive in the spirit. But actually, my body, my physical life is also just radiating Jesus. For to me to live is Christ. There's not, like almost, you see, I think sometimes, sometimes we sort of get this idea almost that, that, that the spiritual life is like something completely separate, sinful body, bad body, keep doing things wrong, you know, making mistakes and stuff. But the truth is that that we are alive in the spirit, and that is transforming our bodies. So much in the intestine about you know, being transformed by the renewal of your mind. We, we, we are being transformed from one degree of glory into another. We, we're becoming like Jesus. Are you? You see, one sense you are, because you're alive in the spirit. Amen? But we're growing into that. If I 
do what the Holy Spirit allows me to do, if I only say what God tells me to say, if I only do what I see the Father doing, then actually I sort of do what Jesus did. The gulf between me and Jesus is immense. But that's what we're called to be, to live the life of Jesus in our communities, in our families. It needs to be what we are. And he's saying, I think here, that for me, to live is Christ. Nothing else matters. No, no, that statement is firstly true. That Christ is our life. Say it after me. It's true. True. This is the core. Believe it. Now, I don't think it's, I don't think I get to the level Paul does here. I may have some more years to work at it. I, I, I don't think I can say quite with him, but I can say, for me to live, I want it to be Christ. Every single thing. I don't want to just be like a sort of spiritual Christian in, you know, prayer meetings and stuff. I want it when I go into work or when I talk to my kids or when I go to the shops or I want or when someone fires a water pistol at me. I want my life to be Christ. I want, I want to be Jesus. I want his life to be me and then be synonymous all the flipping time. Do you get? That's what I want to be. Some of you know me well enough to know it's not true. Though some of you know me well enough to know it's sometimes true. Yeah? I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'm where Paul was, but I'm not zero either. Amen? Encourage me, guys. Say, yes, Chris, good, yes. First of all, it's true. That's where we get to. That for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Secondly, it's sort of a target. <laughs> it's sort of a target. God wants us, like I want my kids, to be the best version of themselves. I want them to find Jesus. I want my kids to grow into who they are. Do you get it? I love it when they do stuff. I love it when they tell me off, by the way. <laughs> don't do that with God. That's the thing fathers don't do. I love it when, they, when, when, when my son comes and says, Dad, how's your prayer life? <laughs> Dad, what have you read recently? He means the Bible. He doesn't mean like, you know, the newspapers and stuff. Right? I love it. God wants you to be absolutely everything God's made you to be. He wants you He's loved you. He loves you. He will let you give. He gives you space to do it yourself, but he wants you to grow into all he's called you to be. He wants you to be Jesus. He wants the image of his son to be formed in you. Part of his love isn't just like a sort of, I don't know, a I love you passive. It's a personal thing. Come on. Let's just journey together. It's true. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. It's almost irrelevant for me whether I live or die because it's all about Jesus. Yeah? Yeah? For to me to live is Christ. To die, I'll be with Jesus. I won't have the problems of prison and stuff or, or whatever, or bad fingers or you know, headaches, whatever else. And thirdly, it's transformative. It's about transformation. It's a true statement. It's a target, but it's about transformation. 
And the transformation isn't just for you. The, um, some ways the weird thing, but the amazing thing about the truth of the gospel is that it's a personal thing, amen. I uh, want to grow into the likeness of Jesus and be like him. And I want to, but it's transformative for people around me as well. Paul knows that. It's transformative in a very deep way. Our communities will be transformed if we live like Jesus. Our families will be transformed like Jesus. There's something quite deeply spiritual. I read in the Romans 8 thing because that passage on the screen. But there's a thing in Romans 8 where Paul says, you know, the whole creation is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed in their glory. It's transformative for situations, for communities, for the world. Paul knows it here because he says, what should I choose? I don't know. I'm torn. Verse 22. Yeah, yeah. Death or life, don't matter. I decided to part with Jesus, but it's more necessary for you, a remaining body. He knows that it's, if he remains in body, it's going to transform, help the, he wants to transform the Philippians. He wants, he's got the heart of God here, right? Because he knows that being Jesus, living the life of Jesus, transforms people. For me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. Together. For to me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. Going to land here, Johnny. One of the commentators says, any sermon on this verse is almost bound to be less good than the verse itself. <laughs> Do you get? <laughs> if the only thing you remember from this sermon is that I nearly died climbing a mountain or crashing a car, um, Remember the verse, Philippians 1, 29. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And my prayer for you guys is that that's the truth. And you grow into that. It's true now. It's true if you absolutely if you know Jesus, because for the, if you are, your life is hidden in Christ. And if you die, you will be Jesus. But I want it to be more and more true. I want it to be a true target that transforms. Amen.